Happy almost Halloween and end of October, teacher friends. Good news. There are no tricks, just treat for you in today's episode because I have a special guest interview to share with you. I knew when I started this series in October on difficult topics to teach that I needed to bring in someone besides me to speak on physics, and Laura Pricer was willing to do exactly that. Laura has been teaching physics for almost 10 years. She's worked in three different school districts and is currently at her forever district. She has taught all levels of physics from conceptual to AP. In this episode, she shares her best advice for teaching her least favorite physics topic, which is waves, and also her students' least favorite topic, which is kinematics. She shares really practical examples that I think will hopefully give you all a lot of specific ideas just to take and run with in your own classes. Are you ready to hear more? Let's dive in. This is Secondary Science Simplified, a podcast for secondary science teachers who want to engage their students and simplify their lives. I'm Rebecca Joyner from It's Not Rocket Science. As a high school science teacher turned curriculum writer, I am passionate about helping other science teachers love their jobs, serve their students, and do it all in only 40 hours a week. Are you ready to rock the time you spend in your classroom and actually have a life outside of it? You are in the right place, teacher friend. Let's get to today's episode. Laura, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Great. I'm so glad that this worked out. All the babies are asleep and we can talk. Fingers crossed, right? Yeah. Fingers crossed. We'll see what happens. Okay. Let's just dive right in. Why don't you tell listeners just like a very brief overview of like your teaching history and the environments you've taught in. Okay. So I've been teaching for 10 years now. I can't believe I'm old enough to say I've been doing something (laughs) for 10 years, but like, I'll just put that out there. Um, Anyway, um, I've been teaching for 10 years and I've taught uh, all levels of physics. So Um, I've taught in the state of Connecticut where they call it college prep. So that's like their lower level physics. I've taught physics honors. I've taught both AP Physics 1 and AP Physics 2. And I've taught between four different districts in very different types of districts. I taught in a big city district. And now I teach in a very, in a smaller school district than I previously have. Of all those different levels of physics, do you have a favorite or is it hard to pick? It's hard to pick because I really loved teaching AP Physics 1. I taught that at one school uh, for a year and I really just like regular physics. You know, no honors, no worrying about a regents exam because I'm in New York. So we have regents exams. Yeah. Not worried about that at the end of the year. Just able to teach fun physics. That's what I enjoy. I love that. Okay. So were you a physics major? Were you always like a secondary ed major? Kind of what led you to this career? Yeah. So I had a really cool teacher in high school that I really liked and he taught physics. So I I took physics with him and I taught and I took AP physics with him. And I just really like, he had a great personality. He really made you love the subject, even though you know, I had to work in it. Like it was, I wasn't one of those kids that just like got hundreds. Okay. No, like I was working for my, you know, 80s, low 90s sort of thing. But I really took to him and I went to college for physics. I wasn't really sure if I wanted to be a teacher, but then a friend of mine, because we needed community service, 
she was like, hey, I'm going to tutor some kids at the local high school. Are you interested in doing it? I'm like, yeah, sure. I can tutor like chemistry and physics and, you know, lower level math. So that's what I did. And I realized like, this is what I'm supposed to do. I love that. So did you add it in while you were in college or did you do some sort of like licensure later or what'd you do? So I did, I got my master's in education. So I, my undergrad is a bachelor's of science in physics and I have a minor in chem. And then I just got my master's in adolescent education. Awesome. Okay. So do you ever teach chemistry or do you want to, or are you just like physics all the way now? So I taught chemistry in a private school. So in New York, you have to be certified in the sciences to teach them, but in a private school, you can kind of like get around that, you know? Um, So that was really fun for me. So I taught mostly chem there. The goal is to eventually, I think, get that second cert so I can teach more sciences because I feel like sometimes you get into that, I want to do something different, I think, for a little bit. So I can see me going that route eventually. Awesome. Well, I always love hearing people's stories and how they got to where they are because it's always so unique. And I love to hear when it's like another teacher really impacted you too, because teachers make a difference. And I think it's important to know too, like, even if that teacher didn't impact hundreds of kids, they impacted you and now you're impacting students. So it's like this multiplication factor. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, this is a random side story. I, I remember like after the AP exam, this is when like stuff like this was okay. He had like a, a barbecue at its at his house mm. with like his family and like the whole class went like it wasn't just me or whatever. The whole class showed up and we had just like this great time. And, you know, you got to see that side of him. So that mm-hmm. was really wonderful. And I it just it has always stuck with me, you know, till today. I love I that. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I was super excited to have you on because I'm not a physics girl at all. And you are all things physics. And so I'm doing this little series on my podcast and you're the grand finale and just talking about, you know, I kind of each week was a different subject, but like what's some of the hardest things to teach for this subject and kind of what is your advice for teaching those things? So you are the expert here in physics. I'm not just going to guess what's the hardest thing, but I would first love to know what do you think is like the most difficult subject to teach or what have you heard maybe from your own, you know, experiences with other physics teachers and why do you think it's difficult? And then you know, hit us with some tips and you can pick one or two, you know, it's totally up to you. Okay. So I have two, I have one that I find is hard for students. And then one that is hard for me. That's a great distinction. And it's true. Like it can be different. For me, um, one of the hardest topics to teach is wave optics sound. I agree. I think it's super boring. It's super boring. It's a long unit. You have a lot of information And it's all so different, but all connected in some way that I find very hard to teach for myself. And normally the way the curriculum works, this unit can be like towards the end of the year. And I think that makes it harder. So last year I took Michelle's advice and switched up the order of things Um, because sometimes I could be very type A, like, you know, everything in a certain order. Um, So I switched it up and I felt like waves and this whole section of unit went a lot better in the beginning of the year for me. Why? I felt like I had the energy to teach it. I love that. I had the energy to really go in it and really go through the content. And I thought it went a lot better. So for me, I think the timing of this unit really helped. And I know you've spoken about this with other topics like in biology, sometimes just that timing really can make a difference. 
Like you cannot put your least favorite subject like after winter break because it's just going to be miserable for everybody. No. And I teach AP physics too, and they do optics. And every time that unit comes up, I'm like, we're going to get through it, guys. We're going to get through it. We're all in this together. Okay. So for waves, is there anything you feel like you need to teach before it? Or is it one that you can kind of dive in at any point? Because I think that sometimes it gets tricky with sequencing because people are like, well, I feel like I have to teach this before this. Waves, I feel like you can get away with not really, with just doing it when you kind of want. I think it's nice that way as well, because there's such, it's such a separate topic in physics. For me, I feel like, you know, if you do waves and go over wave behavior, that'll really help you talk about sound and light. But I don't think you really need to forefront anything else, which is nice. And something I always do with this unit, I'm a stations girl. If I can make it into a station, I'm making it into a station. Um, So I have sound stations I like to do, which always gets kids excited. Different sound activities. And then I found a light stations activity. Different light. So that's how I like to introduce each topic. So when we start sound, we start with the stations. It gets them involved. It gets them into it starting learning the vocab we're going to talk about. And even with light, the same thing, because there's a lot of vocab and light, you know, so kind of selling them on what is about to happen, you know, just putting a pencil in water and they're like, oh, I never noticed it does bend. And I'm like, it bends, you know, light. She's out there. She's living her life. So I like to start all of those activities with stations. I'm a station girl. Well, okay. That's, and that gives me two questions. First, do you have links to these that we can include in the show notes? I have a link to my sound stations and I can share the light stations I used from someone else. Great. I'll get this from you after because I know people are going to ask me. And my second thing is, okay, I'm a stations girl too, but one of the complaints I get from people, so I would love to know your opinion, is they love it like on the day of stations, but they hate going over stations. So how do you handle going over stations? Because they're like, it gets really boring. Oh, it can definitely get boring. I usually have, so I usually have, like, if they're working in groups, one group would kind of sum up one of the stations. And then I can just go, we can just go around as a class, talk about the stations. And then it really starts more of a conversation rather than me going over the stations up in the front because they stopped listening to me five minutes ago and I'm still talking. (laughs) So I literally never thought to do that. And that's a great idea. Like, just give each group a station. You're in charge. Tell us about it. Yep, yep. And it gives them time to kind of be like, okay, let's make sure, like, you know, we know what we did and maybe we have a question. And I always go over the fact that, like, your station does not have to be perfect. You know, if there was something you didn't understand why it's happening, now is the time we're going to talk about it. So rather clear it up now before we get into light and you're like, refraction... We did refraction, you know, so I, it's easy to like clear that stuff up in the beginning. I love that. Yeah. I have, I feel like I love doing like explorative stations like that, but then sometimes I'll do like more like extension ones where it's more like, this is all extra. They're just like, like I have cancer ones for biology where they just, it gets them answering all the questions they always have. But like for that, I'm like, we're not going to go over every question. Like I'll just pick like one or two from each station, like hit the highlights, move on. Cause it is, it, it can't, if you're going to like just sit up there, like you said, and go through all of it. So boring. 
Yeah, I completely agree. That's a great idea to just go over like a few things at one time. That's great. Another thing I like to do for waves and optics, I created an elective at my school. It's called Science of Art because I am a little artsy, fartsy, foo-foo as well. Um, (laughs) That's like my alter ego, I guess. (laughs) And so for that elective, I did pendulum painting. I know I've seen like Michelle do it with her physics class. And I'm like, why aren't I doing that in physics? So I applied it to my physics class and started doing pendulum paintings, which they find very fun. And it's actually really cool because it involves a lot of troubleshooting, you know, so they really have to assess like their string length, how much paint they're putting in, is their hole big enough? And it really has them go through that process as well. So not just like learning about pendulums and period and swinging it, you know, it really has them just kind of work through solving this problem. So I like that activity as well. And again, like I like to allow them to have a lot of creativity if I can. I do a Wavestagram project. They pretend that they're one of the waves on the E&M spectrum and they create an Instagram account for it. You know, so I, I really love this project because they'll, I always get some great ones. Like if someone's doing visible light, they'll post a picture of a rainbow hashtag selfie you know, they get like very into it. And it's really fun because it just allows them to learn about the wave, but also add a creative spin to it. I love that. It's I I think it's so nice, especially in the science that can be really quantitative to offer those creative options for those students that, you know, learn yeah. and think differently. Because mm-hmm. they're out there. Those are fun. Like, I think you're like, even I think you just mentioned like three or four things, but even just having those to look forward to can make a topic so much more enjoyable. Yes. Yes. And I think the kids also get into the Instagram. Am I verified? Do you think visible light would be verified? You know, like they're, how many followers do you think they have? And then they, you know, they get creative with the number of followers based on like the wavelength of it or the frequency. And they're doing this on their own, you know, so it's, it's very cool to see that piece being added to this, especially when you have kids that come in kind of afraid of the subject. And that's something I like to do. Mm-hmm. I love that. Okay. So said that's your, you find that the worst. Yeah, what do like you it. feel like your students find the worst? Kinematics, 2D motion, or just motion, especially when we start graphing motion. Yeah. They hate the graphs. They hate the graphs. So that I find to be always a struggle. And I'm currently in 1D kinematics right now. and. A lab I love to do, and it's such a simple lab. I call it walkers because I was a Walking Dead fan back in the day when I made this lab. It basically introduces motion graphs. So they're just, you know, recording their time to walk different paces. And when they graph it, they realize like the slope shows them their speed. So rather than just giving them these notes on it ahead of time, doing this lab really helps set it up. And then they see the relationships between, you know, distance, time, and speed. So I like doing that. It It's a time-consuming lab, but what's nice is I don't have to, you know, worry about a test at the end of the year. So we can take our time really learning to graph, labeling our axes, plotting our points, line of best fit. No pressure for the test is so nice. Yes. For right now, I don't know if that could change, but... 
right now, it's really nice to have that time to just go over those basic skills. And then we just look at more graphs conceptually. I think sometimes when you add numbers, it scares them. So true. And it's so disturbing because I feel like every science teacher talks about this with graphs. And I know we're all doing graphs 24-7. So I'm like, why is it still so hard? Like, it sounds like we're all doing graphs all the time. So why are we not getting it? I know. I feel like I'm literally always graphing, but... Eventually they'll figure it out. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Especially this time of year, I'm more than willing to take the time to go over how to do this. And even like calculating slope we did today, having them figure out, you know, the units of their slope. Because I always tell them this unit is mathy, but you have to know our numbers have meaning here. We're not just five. You know, you have to tell me what the number means now. That's such a good quote. Like that should be a poster in here. Our numbers have meaning. Like this is not just math class where everything was like so random and had no purpose. Correct. I'm like, our numbers represent something now. So you need to make sure you represent your number, how it needs to be represented. I always used to say to no naked numbers. And then like, if someone would write something, I'd be like, and, like <laughs> and they all like laugh and like someone runs up and puts a unit. That's a good one. I'm like, my eyes. <laughs> I'm like all for anything that will get their attention, you know? Me too. Me too. Okay. Anything else for kinematics to make it less painful? So here's another station activity. Here I am again. I call them fantastic four equations. The kinematic equations. That That's my fun name for them. I basically have stations set up. So at each station, they just focus on one equation at one time. And then, you know, they're able to work through it. And I always have it set up so they have to write their variables, their work, you know, plug and chug, and then answer with units. So they always know to set it up like that. But just having them work with one equation at one time, I think really helps just with the practice of it. And then you can later on mix it all up. Of course, yeah. But for me, I think that is worth the time. Definitely. For sure. And There is a station where they're mixed up all the equations. So there is a station where there's multiple at one time, but I usually arrange it. So certain kids started that one. Smart. Like there are kids that, you know, are higher performers in math that I know can start at that station and not feel overwhelmed. Yeah, that's so smart. That's another thing I love about stations is it's so much easier to kind of differentiate without everyone really knowing what's going on or like you know, I can put little dots on things and be like, okay, you start on the red, you start on whatever. And they don't know what anything means. You know, it's nice. I agree. Cause no one wants to be that person. Totally. They don't want to be called out in any way. So that's, that's what I love about them as well. That's why I feel like I really do them as often as I do. I love it. All right. Anything else? I know I'm a project girly as well. If I can do a project, we're doing a project. If I can have them build something draw something. We just did our roller coaster projects. They designed roller coasters on paper, talked about energy transformations, didn't even go crazy with math. Just had them look at how energy transformed throughout a roller coaster. And that was worth all the days we spent. Okay. I love projects too, but another complaint I get is about grading them. So do you have any tips for that since you like to do a lot of projects too? I do like to do a lot of projects. I usually grade, it depends on the project for my like roller coaster project. 
I really just graded them on making sure they had all the things I wanted in there. And, you know, we did a gallery walk with that. I love a gallery walk. So that was an easy way for me to just quickly look at everyone's poster as well, rather than just sitting there and going through them. We all kind of looked at them together, which was nice. A lot of my projects are really based on like egg drop. Did it survive? You know, if it didn't survive, you get this amount off. Or I do Newton balloon cars. It has to go this distance to get this grade. Love that. Like giving kind of standards within the rubrics, then it's an easy. Yes. So there's no question. Right. You know, no fighting me on it. I love that. Well, any other tips, any other specific for physics teachers listening? Because you have all the wisdom and you have the 10 years experience. I don't have it. So I don't want to miss out an opportunity to hear anything else you want to share. Um, I feel like physics has a bad rap. And I think if you're teaching physics, just make sure you have fun with it. Enjoy it. Add your spin to it. Don't feel like you have to do something another physics teacher is doing because you don't. You can make it your own. I'm colorful and fluffy. I don't dress colorful, but like I am colorful, like in all the things I do. And it's and it's different than the other physics teachers. And I think that's okay. Totally. I think like the worst part about being a teacher is when you're trying to be someone else because you feel like you need to be. And that was something I had to learn early on because I was like, I want to be like these teachers next to me, but it just wasn't my personality. And then it just drains your energy. Same. And different students need to learn from different types of people, you know? Yep. I completely agree. And I think all different teachers have different benefits. Totally. I love that. Okay. Well, I always like to ask everyone who comes on the podcast just for a way that they have been simplifying their life recently. And it could be, you know, anything. It doesn't have to be, you know, specific to teaching. It could be something you're doing in your home or your life or whatever, or something you've stopped doing. But I would love to know, Laura, what's one way you simplified your own life recently? Oh my goodness. This I saw this question. I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I've actually been doing a lot of things to try and make my life easier. Tell me. For class notes, I do sketch notes. So the amount of copying I've gone down on and worrying about having this copied and this printed and enough of this and enough of that, I it's so much easier. We're, we're sketchnoting. Are you just like there? Everyone's starting with a blank piece of paper, and then you're drawing, and they're drawing alongside you, or how are you navigating that? So I give them parameters that I want in their sketch note, and they design it the way they see it. You don't care how they write it. Yeah. So as long as they have the information I'm asking of them, then I. I'm okay with however they want to present it. I do give them, you know, certain parameters, but I have kids that like to write a little more and I have kids that like to draw a lot. So however they want to represent their note is what they do. And I don't have to copy things. Right. And are you up there lecturing while they're doing this? Like you're doing slides or something, or what are you doing? It depends on the note. Sometimes we, I have them use like a FET simulation to create a sketch note on relationships they're seeing in the FET, or it's a short reading and they have to create a sketch note based on that reading. It could be maybe a short presentation and they have to create a summative sketch note on what they got from it. We always go over them and then they add color and, you know, pizzazz it up. But it's just saved me so much time and worrying about notes, copying things, even station activities, they do it all in their notes. There's no, I don't hand to pack it out or anything. I love that. I've never heard of that idea for sketch notes used that way. Like, and I'm, cause I'm not artsy. So like, 
I've always like steered clear of it because I'm like, I can't make something that I give them that then they work with. Like I could never do that, but that's a really interesting way to do it. It's, it works for me. And I like to just go over the fact with the kids, like, I'm not expecting artists. Okay. Right. If you want to be an artist and like, do you, I I love, I love to look at it, but if that's not you, I still love your sketch note. Yeah. That's great. Anything else you want? You said you had a lot of ways. I didn't want to make you pick one. You know, I bought a smaller backpack, so I don't take stuff home. Nothing comes home with me. Okay. Everything is staying at school and I'm okay with it. The only thing that's coming home with me is my lunchbox and my iPad and that's it. Especially now you have your baby. Like you're like, I just want to be with my baby when I get home. Yes. He's, he takes up a lot of time. Mm -hmm. In the middle of the night right now, you're saying before we started recording. Yeah. He's rude. Okay. He doesn't understand. (laughs) He's like, mom, get a smaller backpack and come home to me. (laughs) Yes. And play with me the whole time. He's hungry, but like, doesn't want me to cook dinner, but like is hungry. So figure it out. (laughs) Right. He just needs to do all the things at all the same time. Yes, exactly. And he's too big now just to be worn. I feel like my like I wore a baby on my physical body, like in a wrap or ergo, like yes. forever. But then when now that they're a year and a half, like ours are, it's like they're just like Rah! I know. A Velcro, I call him a Velcro baby. Yes. What do I always I don't say Velcro. What is it I always call him? I can't even think of it. I'll think of it later. But I'm always saying the exact same thing, just like cling wrap. Yep. That's exactly Okay. Well, I love that. Well, I would also love, I know my listeners are going to really enjoy this. So what's the best way for them to stay connected with you? I would say definitely Instagram. I post a lot on there. I'm very active on there. So my Instagram is mrs.prizer. I just changed my last name. So I'm still getting used to that. So that's a great place. I'm usually posting daily there. Awesome. And I'll link that and everything in my show notes. People can find it to you. Miss, Mrs.Prizer, you said, right? Yes, 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 yes. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I can't, I just can't believe this is like happening to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm thrilled that you said yes. Cause like, I just like cold called you in your DMs. <laughs> I was like, hey. <laughs> I was like, she has the wrong person. <laughs> I cannot believe you thought that. You were definitely the right person. So I'm so glad it worked out. Yes, me too. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode and my interview with Laura. You can find all links mentioned in the show notes at itsnarocketscienceclassroom.com slash episode 102. And if you are listening and you are a physics teacher, it is your turn to leave a rating and a review for the Secondary Science Simplified podcast. And if you have missed any of the other episodes in this series, for anatomy, chemistry, biology, you can check those out anywhere you listen to podcasts and also at itsnotrocketscienceclassroom.com slash podcast. And be sure to come back next week as we start a new series all about summative assessments. All right, teacher friends, that wraps up today's episode. If you're looking for an easy way to start simplifying your life as a secondary science teacher, head to itsnotrocketscienceclassroom.com slash challenge to grab your classroom reset challenge. And guess what? It's totally free. Thanks so much for tuning in and I'll see you here next week. Until then, I'll be rooting for you, teacher friend.